Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. On this podcast, I'll tell him a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So... If you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. All right, uh, Dakota. Don't know what I was going to call you. There I was going to be a name that wasn't your name. <laughs> Dax. I don't you've know. You've been calling me. You've been wanting to start calling me Dax. I know. I think you don't like the name Dakota. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, okay. So I was telling my friend. I was saying that it reminds me of like '80s muscle cars and mullets. Dax and, does. Yeah. No, Dakota. Oh. Oh uh, yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't know. And I like. You're just not that. You're not like. What are a- you trying to talk about? What are you trying to say? I don't. I don't exude this m- masculine muscle car. Masculine overtone. No, no. You're, <laughs> you're more of a dweeb. What? As my dad would say. <laughs> Wait, your dad calls me a dweeb? No, that's just a word that he uses to refer to me. Just to refer to things that are dweeby. Things that are like. Me. Uh, he's never. He's never called you. He's never called you a dweeb, but I, I could have seen him calling you a dweeb. I could too, actually. <laughs> yeah. So it's the last recording of October. Okay, so before you actually reveal what we're doing, I want to start by saying that Liz prefaced this the other day by saying, this might be the best episode we've ever done. Right. That is setting yourself up for failure. I know. I don't believe you're going to get a great rating based well, on you telling me that. I'm. Well, I just don't see it. You gotta, you know, you shouldn't have said that, because you gotta surprise me, and then I go, wow. That, now in my head, I'm just gonna be thinking, it's not as good as so-and-so. What? Which one did you even think was the best one? Mm, I really liked the dancing plague. That's what, that's you, one... That's not even the highest rated one, though. Well, just in my head, that's one that sticks out, mm. though. That, that's one that I recommend to people to listen to. Oh. Yeah, because it's just, it's a fun one, you know? It it's is like, fun. Yeah, it's just like, people what? dancing themselves to death. Yeah, it's a it's a horror movie footloose. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one um, was originally planned to do last week instead of the Beast of Jevudan, but I didn't get enough time to research it because I could only research when you were home because <laughs> you were too scared. <laughs> because I was too scared to actually do the research. So I had to do the research in the daytime, so like weekends and and light time when you were home um, and you were working, so I didn't get it done in time. I'm very curious as to what this is going to be because the only thing I could think of that would terrify you so much that you wouldn't do research on it would be demons, but you wouldn't do that because that would scare you too much. Right. Ghosts, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Let's... Let's rip off this band-aid. What are, we, what are we discussing today? So this week's episode is about the Wendigo. Oh, Wendigo's tight. Wendigo's tight. See, it might be the best episode ever. Maybe. I mean, uh, so the Wendigo, I'll, I'll just tell you what I know about it. Okay. It's a creature yes. of sorts. Yes. And it was in the video game Until Dawn. Right. 
which is a horror game we played together where you had to make choices and the characters can die and stuff like that. And based on the game, if you remember, are they anything like that or no? Mm, well, sort of, I guess. Yeah, sort of. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm into it. I, um, I like it. Cool. That's, yeah. This, this could be, there's potential here, <laughs> but still, I think you set it yourself up for failure. Eh. Alright, so sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the history of the Wendigo. recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So Dakota, what is your golden nugget? Well, the listeners are going to have to wait for that for a second, because I want to talk about Willem Dafoe. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I made multiple Willem Dafoe uh, Spider-Man I jokes last week. It. And... Liz does not like my Willem Dafoe jokes. What about my impression? You don't like my window, my it's Willem like, Dafoe impression? It's like nails on a chalkboard for me. Like, anytime you make a Willem Dafoe Spider-Man joke, it just, like, it's, oh, it's just, like, I just can't. I can't. <laughs> nails on a chalkboard. But I have a great impression of him. Maybe. I, I can't. That's how he sounds, exactly. I don't know. I just like I can't even listen to it because it just I just like ooh, it just I'm like twitching right now. Watch the original Spider-Man after this. You'll see. I don't want to. I just I don't know. Maybe maybe there was something traumatic that happened to me with Spider-Man. Did did Willem Dafoe touch you or something (laughs) as a child? No, I don't know. Come here, Lizzie. (laughs) I sound like that. (laughs) (laughs) I. I just can't. It just, it really, it gets me. Yeah, I don't know. Do you like Willem Dafoe as an actor? So he was in that one movie, Boondock Saints. Yeah, I haven't actually seen it. I had a little bit of a crush on him in Boondock Saints. Really? Yeah. But you didn't have a a crush on him in Spider-Man when he played Green Goblin? No. No? No. But he was wonderful in that movie. I know. Don't know. You know. Yes. (laughs) You said I know. I'm an N-O. Well, to agree, agree to disagree on what you said. Anyways, I'm going to put a poll up in the Facebook. Good. And ask the listeners if they like Willem Dafoe-related humor. And Please possibly, say no so I never have to hear it again. And possibly if my impression is on point. <laughs> yeah. So Maybe it's like because it sounds like that Charlie guy you played. No, it doesn't. Maybe. That guy was a creep. Yes. Anyways. Um, my golden nugget is that we hired a new person at my work. Nice. And <laughs> you're saying it like you don't know this. <laughs> nice. What? Tell me more. Really? Tell me more about that, that Dakota. <laughs> well, let me tell you more about that, Liz and audience. Uh, so now uh, we have an extra person, which means I am officially off of weekends, which is really cool because I always uh, work every other weekend on Saturdays and um. Next week and continuing throughout November will be the first time that I, since, well, since I've been at my company, <laughs> that I haven't uh, had to. 
uh, work weekend. So, wow, I mean, seven who, years, almost eight, actually, uh, you know, that might change, you know, and of course, if people take time off, I'll fill in and stuff like that. But for the foreseeable future, uh, my schedule is like just during the week, which is cool. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see as well if it like stops you from getting the Sunday scaries. Yes. I on the Sundays, I get a little bit of the Sunday scaries, as she said, which is like Sunday blues. Where mm. I'm like, oh, I have to go do work again tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I think that's. I think it's that's very a typical. Thing. Yeah, we live in capitalism, so yeah. So we weren't built to do this. Yeah. So maybe the Saturday, having Saturday and Sunday off, will be more like more of rest. helpful to my m- mental health, and then I'll be able to excel better at my job. Absolutely. So, yeah. What about you? What's your golden nugget? Well, I guess I'll do a golden nugget related to work as well, because okay. why not? Yeah. Um. So my principal has tasked me with creating a new course. Um. So it's. English through the lens of video games. This is one of the best things that I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, um, so I don't know how I've all of a sudden become this video gaming person. Well, I owe a lot of the credit to me. <laughs> because I, I'm while you're creating this course, I'm your uh, correspondent in the field, essentially. That's true. You know, I'll give you all the advice. That's true, yeah. So, yeah, explain this course. Tell, tell the listeners what it is, really. Yeah, so English through the lens of video games. She, she, she <laughs> as she says that, she uh, waves her hand, kind of like in uh, SpongeBob SquarePants when they talk about imagination. <laughs> Those who get it, get it. Um, yeah, I so I don't really know exactly what it's gonna look like. Um, I think we're probably gonna do like a lot of analyzing of different video games. So um, I think I'll give the kids like a list of games that they can play uh, to choose from, and then so we'll be like. Analyze the hero's journey. Talk about characterization. What's the theme? What are some tropes that we see? But I also want it to be a little bit meta uh, and to talk about like misogyny that exists in the video gaming industry and in the games themselves and like why are there not a lot of women in video games and that sort of stuff. So, and also like how do video games affect us? So, there's lots of cool things that I want to do. Um, but yeah, the cool thing is like my principal. She likes to give us things that we're passionate about. And so the part that I find really interesting is like, when did I become passionate about video games? And am I passionate about video games? I don't know. Like, I really enjoy playing I, them, but I'm I like... Think you play enough of them yes. that I would say it's a passion at this point. Well, I just... It's not... I don't know. I don't really feel... I'm... You know what? I'm... No, this is going to sound uh, wrong, but I'm passionate about the kids that play video games. I feel like they are under represented in our school right like they're the weirdos they're well some of the weirdos there's other weirdos but like you know yeah that was me essentially this this class is exactly what i would have wanted in uh for me to learn about right but you know i graduated 11 years ago so that was not a even on the radar of anything i mean the book that you're reading to prepare you for this was written only last year yeah so So, it's very fresh and new but this is super cool because you're going to be able to uh, make kids excited. Hopefully. For, hopefully for uh, this, you know, for a class and to yeah. be able to discuss. Because honestly, when I think about video games like The Last of Us, for instance, which is just a, a marvel in story, there's so much to talk about, about the characters and stuff like that, that I would want to, you know, after you play a video game, you want to discuss it with right. people and to be able to write about it or whatever i think would be super cool to 
explore all the themes and the characterizations that um you know is the main character good or bad i mm-hmm. think is really interesting yeah. so there's so much and, and stories and video games are getting so much be- better that they're uh you know oftentimes rivaling movies Absolutely. and uh you know you get to actually spend you know last of us one is a 12 to 15 hour game so instead of spending two hours with the character you get to spend 15 hours with them and really grow with them so they're doing a lot more and video game stories are getting a lot better so i think that this is going to be a really positive impact for the kids that take this course yeah so super cool you're the one that's passionate about it i am but i don't have a teaching degree (laughs) so i have to live vicariously through you (laughs) (laughs) that's fair Okay, so the Windigo is a indigenous legend uh, from the Algonquin language group, and uh, I'm going to tell you a story from an indigenous group. Uh, this story comes from the book Sacred Legends, written by Carl Ray and James R. Stevens, which shares the oral history of the indigenous people of Sandy Lake. So this story was, you know, indigenous people share their stories um, orally, and so this is just the writing down of it. About a hundred years ago, a small camp of indigenous people were living near the post. One of the people from the camp went out trapping with his wife and children. After a few days, the people in the camp heard the trappers screaming and howling in the forest. They knew from their own feelings that the man had turned into a wendigo. Wait, they, so a wendigo was a thing before this? I'll let you finish. <laughs> I can answer your question. Oh, okay. Sorry, you were looking at me like, why are you interrupting my story? No, I'm trying to figure out like what your question is. So, the they knew it was a Wendigo. Wendigo. That was a joke I wrote down for later, but I'll just use it now. <laughs> I just wrote as soon as you said Wendigo, I wrote down, a Wendigo ate my baby. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. But... Yeah. So, anyways, the Wendigo. Uh, they already knew about these things as a concept before. yes yes okay. they've been around for thousands of oh, years oh okay so yeah. oh oh look at that jack turned into a windingo one of the people from the camp went to the man's trap line and found the half devoured corpses of his wife and three children when the people heard what had occurred they were panic-stricken it would only be a short time before the windigo would be attacking their camp and something must be done before the monster was upon them meeting together in the council circle the people chose their most powerful Mamando. Most powerful. <laughs> most powerful Mamandoin Nahini, which means Is that like a gun? No, it's a medicine man. Oh. <laughs> and his name was Rotten Log. They chose him to destroy the Windigo. I must have a man to accompany on this venture, and he must be a man without fear, Rotten Log told the frightened people. One man rose from the council circle after a long silence. He was half indigenous and had been accepted by the people. I am a person without fear of man or beast, he stated softly. Ooh, I feel like this is the, uh, this is like in Jaws, when they're like, they want to kill the shark, and then he's like, uh, the guy's like, oh, you'll, you'll never kill that shark, or whatever. I haven't seen Jaws in a long time, but you know the old, the old man that's yeah. the, the sailor guy? Uh, he's like, oh, but I could do it, you know? This is, this is that guy. I guess Rotten so. Logs looking for that guy. That guy, got it. Yeah. After much discussion, Rotten Log and the man decided to capture the Windigo alive. The man went to the scattered lodges of the camp and captured eight of the largest and strongest dogs that he could find and returned with them to the council circle where Rotten Log had constructed a huge wooden toboggan. This is no time for sledding, Rotten Log. (laughs) 
They hitched the snarling dogs to the great sled and loaded it with lengths of thick braided ropes and other provisions for their journey. They went out into the wilderness and stopped to camp on the shore of a lake. In the morning, the man went out onto the ice and laid a trail of branches across the lake in order to lure the Windigo to their camp. When all was prepared, the two men sat beside the fire and waited nervously. Do not be afraid unless you see I have fear, Rotten Log told his partner. Well, you look terrified, Rotten Log, so... <laughs> then, across the lake, they saw the Windigo striding boldly over the branch trail toward them. As the hairy monster approached, they noticed it had chewed off its own lips. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> its face was hideous. The teeth and gums of the creature were caked with blood. The fingers of the creature were also gone. It had eaten them off to satisfy an insatiable craving for flesh. I get that. The Windigo sat down opposite the two stunned men at the campfire. Sat down? <laughs> you, you, well, you guys look terrified. <laughs> It sat there muttering, watching the men across the roaring fire. Suddenly, the creature leaped over the flames, pouncing on Rotten Log. Windigo wrestled him, trying to bite his throat, but Rotten Log called on his guardian spirit, the Great Turtle, to help in the struggle. Uh, oh, was it was it the tortoise from uh, Kung Fu Panda? He'd be good in this situation, I feel like. It was an indigenous turtle, not a Chinese turtle. Hmm. I don't know. I'm skeptical then, because I think the only one that could stop a Windingo is the turtle from Kung Fu Panda. Continue. Great Turtle did not fail Rotten Log. He gave him the supernatural power and physical strength to subdue the Windigo. The man and Rotten Log tied up the Windigo and rolled it onto the sled. The dogs started to drag the raving Windigo back to the settlement. Pulling the toboggan through the deep snow was a difficult task for the animals because of the weight of the struggling Windigo. Again, Rotten Log called on Great Turtle, and his sacred turtle gave him the strength to shove the heavy load. The huge dogs strained in their harnesses several more times, and the toboggan stopped, but each time the sacred turtle gave them the power to continue with their prisoner. Finally, they reached their camp with the lunatic Windigo. At the camp, the people placed the captive Windigo in a large building and built a huge fire to melt the ice from his body. After several hours near the heat of the fire, the Windigo finished sweating the ice from his body. Then he vomited. In front of him, in his own spew, were the eyes and hair of his wife and children. Fuck. 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 The Windigo never regained normality, and it died in the camp. The people there burned the corpse to destroy its Windigo spirit. Okay. So again, that was an oral story uh, from the tradition of the indigenous people from Sandy Lake. So when they say this, tell this story... They're saying this based on something that happened, like like actually happened, or is it just a story? Yes. Which, yes to which? Probably both. <laughs> so it might be like an exaggerated... Could be. ...story? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm intrigued. You you hooked me. Uh, yeah, I want to see what these Windingos are going to do next. So before we get into the story, I'd like to mention the Western appropriation of the Windigo. So um, often the story presents in things such as Stephen King's Pet Cemetery or what you were talking about, that video game. Um, there's another book by Algernon Blackwood called The Windigo. Uh, these Western appropriations are stripped of their original context and reduced to mere stereotypes of the cultures from which they originate. Uh, there's also a Windigo in My Little Pony. What? 
The common visual description of the Wendigo does not actually come from indigenous beliefs. So we're going to be focusing on the actual indigenous stories rather than like how Western culture has appropriated hold it. Hold on, hold on. There's a Wendigo in My Little Pony? Yeah. I've never wanted to be a brony more <laughs> than I want to be now. Okay. In actuality, in most indigenous stories, the Wendigo... I'm going to start saying Wendigo, and that's not what I want to say because I'm the historian and I need to be respectful of this word. Yeah. And I'm the reluctant historian. I don't have to be respectful of shit. Guess not. The Wendigo greatly resembles the human being it used to be. Okay. I was interested in that story. You said that it was covered in hair. So so that's just interesting because like in Until Dawn, they were like just, just flesh, essentially. Yeah. So different groups of indigenous people have different descriptions mm-hmm. of the Wendigo. Yeah. The Wendigo is a creature that has long been known among the Algonquin, Ojibwe, Eastern Cree, Soto, Nascapi, and Innu peoples, who is said to have devoured the people who dared to go into the forests of the Great Lakes region. But the Wendigo is not a mere legend, and is a part of the oral tradition and sharing of values of the Algonquin tribes. For millennia, oral tradition has kept the Wendigo alive, and popular culture has co-opted it. The Algonquin is the largest indigenous language group in Canada, So, not surprisingly, there are hundreds of stories, and even at least 45 recorded variations of the word Wendigo. A few versions of the name are Achin, Kenu, Kiwok, Huitigo, Windicock, and Witaka. And I might have uh, mispronounced some of those, so I apologize. I'm I'm sorry for this joke I'm about to do, but I think it's pronounced Windicock. Sorry. I'm, this is, okay, I'm struggling here a little bit. Because I'm trying to, like, you know, I should be more respectful in this situation as we're dealing with, like, indigenous heritage and stuff like that. But you said Windycock, so I'm sorry (laughs) for being a terrible human. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) According to most Algonquin oral traditions, a Wendigo is a cannibalistic monster that preys on the weak and socially disconnected. In most versions of the legend... A human becomes a Wendigo after his or her spirit is corrupted by greed or weakened by extreme conditions, such as hunger and cold. Descriptions of the Wendigo vary, but commonalities are there. They have been described as giants, many times larger than human beings. At other times, they are described as exceptionally thin, with the skull and skeleton pushing through its ash-colored, mummy-like skin. According to Basil Johnston, an Ojibwe teacher from Ontario, he says, The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. It's a desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash of dark grey, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets, Mm -hmm. the Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Its body was unclean and suffering from surreptations of the flesh, giving off a strange and eerie odour of decay and decomposition, of death and corruption. Gross. The Algonquin describe the creature as a giant with a heart of ice. Sometimes it is thought to be entirely made of ice. Its body is skeletal and deformed with missing lips and toes. So they it would eat its lips because it was so hungry. Oh. And it was just like... Can you imagine being that hungry? No. <laughs> to the Ojibwa, it was a large creature as tall as a tree with a lipless mouth and jagged teeth. Its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were the lucky ones. Why did it sit across from their fire and just, like, (laughs) hang out for a minute, you know? I don't know. That's just like a... (laughs) 
I just like, I don't know. Was it trying to build anticipation or Maybe. something? I feel like because it used to be a human. It mm-hmm. has some human characteristics. So it's trying to fight back. It's like, hey, I remember fires. Maybe. Fires are, oh, you look tasty. That's probably exactly what <laughs> happened. So the lucky ones got eaten. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself, mm. hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. It's, it's interesting that in this story, the lucky ones are the ones that get eaten. <laughs> yeah, well, otherwise you turn into a Wendigo and eat your best friend. Yeah, well, do, do they have, like, do they know they're eating their best friend? I don't know. I wonder if they're conscious of yeah. that, being like, I don't want to do this, but you're so tasty. Maybe. You know? The Wendigo is usually, but not always, endowed with powers such as superhuman strength and stamina that allow it to stalk, overpower, and devour its victims. Wendigos are usually credited with exceptional eyesight, hearing, and sense of smell. They are said to move with the speed of the wind and have the ability to walk across deep snow or even over open water without sinking. I want to be a Wendigo. That sounds great. Others say it walks in a more haggard manner as if it is falling apart. A more haggard manner? Haggard. <laughs> There's a storm coming, Ari. And I'm when a it does, <laughs> we had best be ready. <laughs> the Wendigo is a creature of the night, and one of its scarier traits is its ability to mimic human voices. Ooh, that would be like that'd be terrifying if they're in the forest and they'd be like calling it, like pretending to be the wife, calling out like Jack, I need your help, come here. That's exactly and then it. They come in and then they eat them. Yes, you That's got it. Terrifying. It uses this skill to lure people in and draw them away from civilization. Once their prey is isolated in the desolate depths of the wilderness, he attacks and then feasts upon their bodies. Other versions record how the Wendigo would come to its victim and shake the victim's hand, thus making him run along with long strides, which were drawn in the snow, and at some point along the way, the human footprints would fade away, which is the point when the Wendigo would lift its human prey into the air to devour him. Their sharp nails and long fingers allow them to climb trees and walls. Some stories tell of the possession by a Wendigo instilling upon the unsuspecting human a similar lust for human flesh. Legend has it that if you go into the frozen woods and despair takes over, where you go hungry and your companions faint, and you consider tasting their flesh to keep you alive, you can call upon the Wendigo and his spirit will possess you. What's the song? If you go out in the woods today, you'll... Uh, Should it be in for surprise? Windingo's gonna eat you and all of your kids. That's the song. Yep. In other cases, the Windigo may come to you in a dream, penetrate your mind, and make make you violent. Again, developing an irresistible need to eat human flesh. Windigos are said to be cursed to wander the land eternally, seeking to fulfill their voracious appetite for human flesh. And if nothing is left to eat, it starves to death. According to some legends, Wendigos can be killed with a conventional weapon, such as a club or firearm. Other legends claim that a Wendigo has to be somehow subdued, its icy heart cut out, and then melted in a roaring fire. So that's what we heard in our original story. Still, other legends claim that only a knowledgeable First Nations leader, a shaman, can dispatch a Wendigo with a specific spell and ceremony. Despite the differences between all of the different tribes, they all view the Wendigo as a malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural being that is strongly associated with winter, the north, coldness, famine, and starvation. So let's take a second to pause here and talk about my favorite subject, cannibalism. Right. So, yes, while you were telling this whole thing, that's what I was like, oh, I, I really like this. It's talking, in, in a sense, about cannibalism. Yes. And this is fucked up. But <laughs> I think it makes it scarier 
if the Wendigo in its head remembers like you know they're like oh i'm eating my wife so good but i'm eating my wife this is super fucked up that's like terrifying yeah and i kind of love it are there movies about wendigos yep we should watch one okay (laughs) according to legends a wendigo is created whenever a human resorts to cannibalism to survive (gasps) well i've never become a wendigo so it must not be true you're not a cannibal a man can dream stop it elizabeth stop it (laughs) Other versions, other versions, other versions of the legend cite that humans who displayed extreme greed, gluttony, and excess might also be possessed by a Wendigo. The worst thing of all is that the Wendigo was once a human being. The Wendigo legend has existed in Algonquin oral history for many centuries, long before Europeans arrived in this land. The first European written record is from 1636. Stories could also be found along the West in the 1800s among Plains indigenous peoples and employees of the Hudson's Bay Company. Some records describe encounters with indigenous spiritual leaders who descended into fits of religious passion. Indigenous peoples often accuse those people of being Wendigos. In some cases, community members or relatives of the accused killed the suspected Wendigo as a precaution. So these groups did believe that Wendigos were real as they were part of their oral traditions and they would kill people in their communities who were Wendigos. The Wendigo legend also lends its name to a disputed condition in mo- the modern medical communities known as Wendigo psychosis. This is considered by some psychiatrists to be a syndrome that creates an intense craving for human flesh and a fear of becoming a cannibal. Wendigo psychosis usually develops in the winter in individuals who are isolated by heavy snow for long periods. The initial symptoms are poor appetite, nausea, and vomiting. Subsequently, the individual develops a delusion of being transformed into a Wendigo monster. People who have Wendigo psychosis increasingly see others around them as being edible. At the same time, they have an exaggerated fear of becoming cannibals. Wait, so these people aren't actual Wendigos? They're just like, think Well, they are? <laughs> who's to say? Because Western people are like, no, that's not real. You can't be a Wendigo, so you have Wendigo psychosis. But the indigenous tradition says they are Wendigos. Well, I think that if you want to be a Wendigo, that you know, modern society tells us that you should be able to become a Wendigo if you want to. So I'm taking a stand against people who are against becoming a Wendigo because that's not okay. Okay. One of the most infamous cases of this occurring is the story of Swift Runner, a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta. As a young man, Swift Runner received a solid Cree education. He married and had a family of six children, and he traded with the Hudson's Bay Company and served as a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. He was a big man, over six feet tall, and well-liked. He was mild and trustworthy, a considerate husband, and very fond of his children. All of these treats endeared him to his people and to the traders of the HBC. However, in the spring of 1879, when he returned from his winter camp without his wife and family, suspicion rose. When he could not give a satisfactory account of their whereabouts, his in-laws became worried. They decided to tell the Mounties. A man named Inspector Gagnon. (laughs) Inspector Gadget, I thought you were going to say. No, Inspector Gagnon (laughs) was given the task of investigating Swift Runner's behavior. And so he and a small party of policemen trekked out to Swift Runner's camp. Here, Swift Runner obligingly showed the police a small grave near his camp. He explained that one of his boys had died and was buried there. Gagnon and his detachment opened the grave and found the bones undisturbed. This, however, did not explain the human bones scattered around the encampment. Ganyong found a skull, 
which Swift Runner willingly told him was that of his wife. Without much prodding, Swift Runner revealed what had happened to the rest of his family. So, uh, this retelling might not be for the squeamish. At first, Swift Runner became haunted by dreams. A Wendigo spirit called upon him to consume the people around him. The spirit crept through his mind, gradually taking control. Finally, he was Wendigo, and Swift Runner no longer. Then the Wendigo killed and ate Swift Runner's wife. This accomplished, the Wendigo forced one of Swift Runner's boys to kill and butcher his younger brother. While enjoying this grisly repast, the spirit hung Swift Runner's infant by the neck from a lodge pole and tugged at the baby's dangling feet. God. It was later shown that he had also done away with Swift Runner's brother and his mother-in-law, though he acknowledged that she had been a bit tough. The Mounties were revolted and hauled Swift Runner and the mutilated evidence back to their fort. The trial began on August 8, 1879, and Swift Runner made no attempt to hide his guilt. He is quickly sentenced to be hanged. On December 20th, Swift Runner was executed for the murder of his family. Standing over the trap door, he was unrepentant and given the opportunity to address the large crowd that had gathered to watch. He openly acknowledged his guilt and thanked his jailers for their kindness. So Swift Runner's story is retold in Dark Poutine's episode 25, and it, they do a really, really awesome job. Uh, they go, it's about a half hour episode, and they go really into depth about it. Um, and then they also talk about, like, the purpose of a Wendigo and oral tradition of Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're interested in it, you should listen to it. And I've linked it in our show notes. That's super dark. Is that the end of the story? Yes. That's, uh, so, so, so he wasn't actually, he didn't become a Wendigo. Well, he just, did he? He did. I mean, yeah, but like, but in a spiritual made. way, like, like it was possessing him. Yes. Essentially. It wasn't, he wasn't becoming, he didn't turn into a, he didn't turn into monster. a lipless monster, no. but he didn't, you know, in spirit or whatever yeah. you want to call it, uh, possession. And he fully believed that the Wendigo had possessed him. Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, if he, because when he was being put to be hanged and stuff like that, he seemed very like, yeah, I did it. Like this is, this is a just punishment. Yeah. And like, that is very typical of the indigenous groups, right? Like they did kill people who were Wendigos and and that was just normal and common for the the groups. So he was like, I'm a Wendigo, kill me. Basically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's just, Especially, so he hung his baby and nibbled on its feet? Is that kind of what happened? Well, yeah, he hung, pulled the feet to nibble on them or to kill it faster? I'm not sure. Damn, that is grisly. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of Wendigo sightings happened between the 1800s and the 1920s. Few reports of the creature have surfaced since then, but every so often, a sighting emerges. In 2019, a series of howls and shrieks were recorded in the Canadian wilderness, which left a hunter and government biologist searching for explanations. Gino Mikas was out hunting with his wife and grandson in the forests of northwestern Ontario, more than 50 kilometers from the closest town, when they heard a series of eerie noises in the distance. And here, Dakota, I'm going to play for you these sounds that they recorded. Okay. So this is, this is the creepy part. Oh my god. 
Well, that was terrifying. Mm-hmm. That's you... why one of the reasons why I couldn't do the research. Yeah, by that... myself. Yeah, I mean, I can't even think of what that would be in, you know, like a like a regular animal or something like that. You know, like it, and it was so loud. I mean, it was quiet on the video, but like, imagine being in that forest. Like that would be a loud sound, mm-hmm. right? So that's what uh, got you to like not want to do the research. Well, just all of it. Yeah, that's fair. That was that's scary. It made me feel creepy even just listening to it again right now with you in the room with me. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Mikus, that's the man who recorded this. So he started recording about halfway through the sounds. So this is not a full recording of it. Um, but anyways, Mikus recounts. When it let out the first scream, I thought it was a moose. But my mind changed when it screamed again and again. Mikus is an avid hunter and has grown accustomed to the sights and sounds of the region. He says, I've heard many different animals in the wild, but nothing like this. I grew up hunting with my grandfather for the first 12 years of my life. The howls initially came from the distance, but soon they appeared to move much closer. We could hear it moving. It sounded kind of heavy, Mikus said. His wife got scared and she grabbed their grandson and made a beeline for their vehicle. As the group retreated, Mikas pulled out his phone and began recording the howls, as well as his grandson trying to mimic them, which is what I just played for you. That was the kid trying to, <laughs> trying yeah. to mimic it? Yeah, That's which like, is fucking creepy because like Wendigos mimic human sounds. So like maybe the baby was like talking to the wind. I don't know. Maybe. Just... Babies can talk to Wendigos. Fact. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> People have weighed in on what they think it could be, with some speculating a Sasquatch or a Wendigo. Biologists with Ontario's Ministry of Resources and Forestry are skeptical, but they also admit that they're not sure what is the source. Our biologists say it could be a larger mammal, but because it's a considerable distance from the recorder, there's no way to know for sure. So Dakota, what do you think? I loved it. You, uh, I was skeptical at first when he said best episode ever, but maybe. Better than the dancing plague? Yes. Mm. It had intrigue, mystery, campfires, all my favorite things. Campfires? You don't like campfires. That's also true. Oh, cannibalism. I forgot to say cannibalism. Sorry, I I meant to say cannibalism instead of fires. I like those better. (laughs) Cannibalism, not campfires. Um, And, I mean, you know, I love monster movies. And this is... So Wendigos might be real? Mm Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, if you go on TikTok, there's a ton... Like, I I haven't gotten on that side of TikTok. I have to make sure I don't watch those videos. Yeah. But there's lots of, like, really creepy um, recordings of people out in the for the, the woods, and yeah. they'll, like, hear weird sounds, and yeah. they're like, that's a Wendigo, or it's a skinwalker. And the videos are creepy. Because mm-hmm. it's... Like, usually I can, I can pick up on, like, a fake. Yeah. Like, when people are doing things just to scare people but yeah. these don't especially the ones that have animals like where they're walking their dogs and the dogs are like fuck no yeah like yeah. they're and yeah i don't know how i've stumbled across some of these tiktoks so i try not to watch them yeah that's fair so don't if you hear somebody crying in the forest ever do not go to them because they could be a windigo or a skinwalker trying to eat you or a human trapped under a fallen tree well we're not going <laughs> to rescue them because i don't want to get eaten it's very selfish or turn into a windigo yeah so, I give this, I think, your highest rating. Nine. Ooh. 
point eight. Ah! Wendigos out of ten. Oh my goodness, I did it, guys. You did it. I did it. You've succeeded. Oh my gosh. You're so happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also chose not to go into the like historically like historical stories. Um, like the understanding of like why a Wendigo might show up in mm. oral traditions. Like, what does it serve? Like to teach a lesson or da da da. I just focused on like. Yeah, I don't think I would have been. No, you wouldn't have. I know you wouldn't into have. that. So, so I appreciate the monster movie type of, you know, yes. approach to it. And I feel like that's a that's a good way to like cap off our Halloween month. You know. Yeah. That's a, so I, it was I'm, a happy accident that I got too yeah, scared. Yeah, I'm glad it. Uh, glad you say this for the last one because this one was a certified banger. Certified, certified banger banger and mash yeah unfortunately i'll not usually be able to do i feel like this was actually a very interesting one to do and i would mm-hmm. like to do the history of scary things but yeah. unfortunately i can't because i would get You're too fucking puss. scared well that's all we have for this week we'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us if you enjoyed listening to what we had to say please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts leave a review or tell your friends about us, because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian, or on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast. You can also shoot us an email with future show ideas, or corrections you may have noted at The Reluctant Historian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week, same time, same place. And if you go out in the woods today, you're sure to get a surprise. You're gonna get it by a Wendigo. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Jesus. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.